In the name of Jesus, Amen. Please be seated. I know. I used to say that a lot as a kid. I think probably to my dad more than anyone. I know. I've got it. I know. I'd be attempting to fix the chain on my bike, and Dad would jump in with, uh, I think this is the way it's supposed to go, and I would jump back with, I know, I've got it. Uh, That I remember that 30 years on and how angry it made me when he tried to tell me how to do stuff. It tells me that I must have said it quite a bit, and I I must have been quite the know-it-all as a young man. Not that that made me unique as a, as a child or, or, or even now. Unfortunately, have not completely shaken that habit. If you were to be listening over my shoulder next time I, I take the car into the garage because it's making some, some funny sound, there's a, chance, there's a chance that I might say something like, well, I think it might be the timing belt or maybe the intake valve. Although I have no idea what a timing belt is, nor do I know what an intake valve. I would know, I would know if I'd listened to my dad 30 years ago, because he knows all about that sort of stuff and probably would have told me, but I I told him more than once, no, I know, I know, I know. That sort of thing can, of course, be dangerous at the mechanic when you go in and pretend to know stuff like that, because the mechanic just might start uh, trusting you and he might uh, uh, call your timing belt and raise you a camshaft or something like that, and start going on and on about all the stuff that he thinks you know because you're pretending you know, because, you know, it's nice to be in the know. Nobody wants to not be in the know. The mechanic, it probably has something to do with kind of wanting to be manly because guys are supposed to know stuff about cars, I guess. Uh, But in general, no one likes to be the needy one. No one likes to admit that they don't know, that they might have something to learn from the mechanic or from, uh, from your dad or even from Jesus. A gospel lesson for today. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know. It's Nicodemus, by the way, he's a Pharisee. You probably know this sort of stuff, but at the very least, you you know that he knows stuff. In fact, he was known as a guy who who knew stuff. Lots of stuff. Probably had... uh, the big chunks of, if not the whole, of what we call the Old Testament, committed to heart. Uh, he was the sort of guy who, when people walked down the street, said, there's a guy that knows stuff. He might have looked at the mirror in the morning and, and looked and saw himself and said, now there is a handsome guy who knows stuff. And so it's no surprise that when he comes to Jesus by night, hold on to that, when he comes to Jesus by night, the first words out of his mouth are, we know. In other words, hey, Jesus, Just letting you know that unlike a lot of the bumpkins that you've been rubbing shoulders with lately, me and my posse, we we know stuff. Uh, Unlike the unlettered rubes who you have to explain things to, maybe tell them your your neat stories, we, we are in the know. We can tell because we know that God is on your side. You see what's going on there? Just with those first words out of his mouth. It's, uh, it's the posturing. It's, hey, Jesus, you and I, we're on, we're on equal footing. Just let you know you're talking to a fellow in the knower. 
Now, one of the many things I don't know is I don't know where uh, Nicodemus thought this conversation with Jesus was going to go. Maybe they're going to have a nice theological conversation and, and, and share uh, a knowledge with one another. But after his pretending to know what he doesn't really know, after that intro, Jesus goes full camshafts on him. <laughs> so you know, huh? Well, good to know. You're in the know. This is my paraphrase. Then you must know, as one who knows, you must know all about the water. And you must know all about the Spirit. And you must know all about being born again, the Son of Man, and and the Kingdom of Heaven, the Son of Man lifted up. You must know all about that. So good to know that I'm in the presence of a fellow knower. What should we talk about now, smarty pants, you and me? Well, Nicodemus is left speechless there. He's left answering questions, stumbling back. See what Jesus has taken this Nicodemus who comes. I know I'm on equal footing, and he's reduced him to someone who, in fact, doesn't know much at all. So what do you know? I think I'm on pretty safe ground in assuming that I'm not the only one in the room who likes to be in the know, to let others know he's in the know, and then engages oftentimes in silly antics to convince others you're in the know when you're really not. Why we do that sort of thing, I guess I alluded to it a little bit already before. We don't like to be, to be needy. Uh, a foolish me, I'd rather have to get off my bike and switch the chain uh, every five minutes because it keeps slipping off the gears than admit I needed help from Dad. Some people might euphemize that as uh, fiercely independent, but just dumb pride is probably a better estimation. And beyond that, maybe there's, maybe there's some not completely off-base fear that if we admit we need someone, they'll kind of hold that over our heads. I ask you to hold on to that little detail about Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. Why do you think he does that? Is just his, his days too, too busy uh, filling his head with knowledge? No, that's not it at all. I'm pretty sure he comes at night because he doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want anyone to know, despite his posturing, that just perhaps he is not as certain as things, certain of things, as he lets the rest of his posse think he is. Because behind his very self-assured, we know, just like behind a lot of our self-assured knowledge, there is a self-doubting, I'm not so sure. And then a worried, and I really don't want the guys who think I'm sure about things to know I'm not so sure about things. I think this is pretty common, actually. I think it's pretty common because I'm guessing that most of us have spent time being part of groups that make us pretend that we're more certain of things than we actually are. You could probably think of various examples, something that that came to me maybe in the the, the political sphere. God help the politician who, when asked about some policy question, says, well, you know, I can really see both sides of that one. I don't really know where I stand. That's a, that's a really complex one. God help that politician. Or maybe this, when it comes to, to churchy things. I know this is true of me, but I'm guessing it's probably true, maybe in different ways, of, of non-pastors as well. But there have been times, I confess, I guess, because this isn't a good thing, that I've been in the presence of certain people that make me pretend that I'm more certain about some things than I actually am. Now, certainly not everything or most things, but, but some things. And, and, and so with that, you, you put on a, a kind of, uh, I know 
fake certainty, for fear of admitting that, you know, that's a tough one and I'm not so sure, will make you less part of the we or might make you look mentally or, or spiritually weak or something like that. No one wants that. Don't, don't get too much into it, but I kind of think there's a lot of that going around. In fact, it might be the case that we can make a little uh, equation, some sort of uh, inverse relationship, that the more confusing the world actually is, and it's more confusing now than ever, for no other reason that we are all bombarded with more information than ever, that the more confusing the world actually is, the more likely we are to pretend that we're more certain than we are. Probably just so because it's so scary to think otherwise. You could think of examples. How being around people who seem, and it is a seem, think to be certain about so many things, maybe even about everything, makes you pretend that you are too. When in fact you're not, and probably keeps you from learning about camshafts and bike chains and more important stuff. Of course, not everyone's like that, right? And, and, and maybe we go, we go through stages up and down, and there, there are more times when we're, when we're better. It's probably the same with you. I was trying to think in, in my life uh, when I've been most comfortable with being dumb and needy. And I'm pretty sure I nailed it. Um, it was the late summer and fall of 1973. I remember it like yesterday. I was so pleased, so easy to be dumb and needy. Not a single time, not a single time did I say, no, no, I got this, when mom or dad came in for a diaper change. Not a single time. Now you know how old I am. It's all right. And, and, and uh, when for like the hundredth time, they pointed to this four-year-old boy and two-year-old girl that lived in the same house with me and said, do you know who that is? Not a single time did I roll my eyes and say, I know, it's my brother and sister, you've told me a hundred times. Not a single time I just giggled and let them tell me what I already knew. Uh, Best of all, I remember this too, best day of my life. It was uh, September 2nd, Uh, they took me to a place much like this, and there was a guy dressed just like this in a big white white dress. And when he dipped his hand in the water until he was about to put it on my head, I was not even tempted to raise my little hand and say, no, 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 Pastor Coke, I got it. I'll take it from here. I'll wash away my own sins. I'll baptize myself and wash myself into the kingdom of God. Good times, fall of 1973. (laughs) Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, not what you know, not more knowledge, but born again. Not show me your smarts, Nicodemus, and how fiercely independent you are, and how you've got God figured out, and how you've got politics, and parenting, and spousing, and high schooling, and pastoring, and camshafts, and the coronavirus, whatever else is confusing. Have that all figured out. But how about just be a baby? Nicodemus and me and you, how about just being your father's baby, bringing nothing nothing at all? How about just leaving your I knows and I've got this and let me show you something in the dark? Just be a giggly baby 
and trust the Father who knows you before there was a you to know. Just be an old bumpkin clinging to the Abba who's got every this figured out, every this held in the hands that knit you together in your mother's womb. And you and me, big dummies, want something to look at. How about looking at this? His dear son lifted up for you and the world on the cross. In fact, if you're looking for something to know, how about this? That you have a God who so knows you. That you have a God who so loves you. That he gave for you and the whole world his only son. That in him you will never, ever, ever perish. But have life and life and life some more. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.